This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's paths with an S. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Thanks for Sharing podcast. I'm John T. And I'm Jackie P. Before we begin the episode today, uh, as always, if you are interested in learning how to date in recovery and having that be a pleasant, not completely fear-filled experience, mm-hmm. uh, we'd really like you to come join us on June 21st right. in Midway, Utah. So, And if you're listening to this episode and it's way past that date or just after that date, reach out to us because we are always rescheduling that intensive because there's a need for it. Yeah, it's, it's looking like we'll be doing another one mid-October sometime. Uh-huh. Um, so go to the website onelayerdeeper.com, O-N-E, layerdeeper.com, and you'll see the latest there for that dating and recovery intensive. Yeah. Um, so our show today, coincidentally, it's going to be about dating and recovery. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a two part series, kind of exploring why would you want to explicitly learn how to date, right? And I will have to say for our listeners who are not single and are reaching to turn this off, like you can date your spouse, and that's probably a good thing if you're in recovery to strengthen that relationship. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say maybe it's not a can; it's a please date your spouse. Right. That helps your relationships be strong. So. Um, the thing that struck me as we were preparing for this episode this week, um, I'm not a huge royal watcher. In fact, I don't think I am. You didn't get up at 3 a.m.? No. Did no. you have a party? I did. Not yet. I think <laughs> we're going to do that. We're going to do a delayed party. Um, but uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the the uh, YouTube channel Bad Lip Reading. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's yeah. <laughs> It's hilarious. Like we were watching Bad Lip Reading videos the other night and we giggled for like two hours straight. <laughs> Um, so they've done one on the royal wedding, and um, th- that's like the only footage I've actually seen. But prior to watching of the royal wedding, yeah, yeah, the bad. <laughs> so I got I got the good parts. Um, prior to watching that, I heard a report on NPR uh, the morning after the wedding, and they were just talking about how different it is it was from any other royal wedding because right. you have this um, this black American half black American actress mm-hmm. marrying into this British royal family. Um, He's sixth in line for the throne, so, Mm -hmm. you know, the pomp and the circumstance and the ceremony doesn't matter so much. Um, So it was a very different wedding than you think of. Well, and they purposefully tried to make it, I mean, they wanted to honor the tradition, but they also wanted to modernize Mm -hmm. their wedding. So it was kind of this blending of cultures, blending of um, ages, blending Uh of a lot. Which, Which I think... The the whole thing, I think, was a really great metaphor for a good way to start out a marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about the force I carry, the force you carry. Like, we're creating something new. Right. Whether you're aware of it or not, yeah. you are blending a whole lot when you get married. Yeah. So, in this uh, <laughs> bad lip reading video, the part that made me laugh the hardest was they would cut, and I know this was extremely edited, but they would cut to the faces of the people in the crowd, Um and th- this is part of the report I heard on NPR that it was clear that some of these more like established traditional royal people, um, they were not completely comfortable with the whole experience. Mm, this is different, and we don't do that. Yeah, there was there was a whole lot of awkward looking around. 
and you can see that in the footage. And that, waiting for somebody to stop. Like, what right, were they doing? Right. Like, like I, I think it was kind of that. Like, are we going to allow this? <laughs> can they just do this? <laughs> so, so that's the part that made me like. That's the part that made me laugh the hardest. I, I am one for awkward situations. Like, I feel like I thrive in them. Mm. I think they're really funny. But I thought it was a really great metaphor for what dating and recovery can feel like mm-hmm. uh, or just dating in general um, mm. dating no matter who you date it is a cross-cultural experience mm-hmm. um, even if you date the people that you grew up with um, three houses down the street for many intents and purposes might as well be a foreign country mm-hmm. um, especially when you're looking at putting two lives together mm-hmm. Um, so there's times as we're doing this like cross-cultural dating experience where you're going to be the old British people who are looking around and saying, what the hell is going on here? Right. Like, I, I don't have any context for this. Do we do this? And is this okay? Is this allowed? Right. Yeah. Right. What is, is our, is our very <laughs> society rav- unraveling? Um, and there's other times that you're going to be the person that introduces something that's culturally shocking to the other person. Right. Um, and you don't know how shocking it is because it might be very familiar. And of course, like, mm-hmm. of course we do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, you may be introducing your culture thinking that it's very normal, mm-hmm. natural. And mm-hmm. to somebody else, it's shocking. Yeah. And, and I think the education we get in dating, like, I think very generally it goes to you're polite. Mm-hmm. Um, you hold open doors. If you're a male, you definitely get that. Um, if it goes a layer deeper, it's kind of that, like, well, don't rape the people that you date. Right. Um, respect boundaries, get consent, um, that kind of thing. But I think very rarely do we talk about what's the internal process when you're putting yourself out there right. for new friendships or new romantic relationships. Well, and the other thing, I mean, you know, for years, I mean, maybe not for the royals, but for most of us, the rest of us in the world, um, you know, for a lot of people, they um, maybe grew up with who they were dating, right? Mm-hmm. Or who they were going to marry. Whether that was, you know, we lived in the same town and kind of everybody knew each other. Um, and so you knew that person. You maybe had seen them. I mean, they may or may not have been your ex- exact same age. Maybe they were a sibling's age. But you knew of them. You knew of them through school, elementary, junior high, high school, right? Like, you knew them. You knew their family. You knew their siblings. You might have known their aunts and uncles and cousins, right? And and so you had a lot of context to give around this person. And we don't really have that so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and sometimes in those smaller communities, like, you kind of knew their family story. You knew their family culture. And you knew your family culture. Mm-hmm. And and nowadays we just don't do that as much, right? And so we're not knowing this person. We may meet their family, right? But any family can behave for a dinner, right? <laughs> Wasn't that somebody that told us a rule? Like, we know that my family can behave for 48 hours. <laughs> right. So we don't stay any longer than 48 hours. So we do not stay hours. longer than 48 hours. That was yes. Ken Adams. Oh, right. That's right. <laughs> Yes. And so um, it's one of those, like, how well do you know this person? Probably not very well, Mm -hmm. right? You may know them, but you know them in a certain scenario, Mm -hmm. right? When you've been dating them, you've gotten to know them. 
but you may not have seen this person with their girlfriends or their guy friends. You may not have seen them. Like I had a couple, and one of the things that they were working on is, and she would say, I never saw him during football season, Mm -hmm. right? They dated during football season, but she's like, he was really into me during football season because that's when we started dating. And she's like, and by the time the next football season came around, we were married and he wasn't so much into me anymore. He was really into his team. That's not how football season really works. (laughs) And she was like, so I didn't really understand that he became a different person during football season. And, and so as we, as you kind of outline this, like there are some jarring surprises. Uh-huh. I think a lot of the people that we're talking to about this dating and recovery intensive are in a position where they're saying, why would I want to put myself in a situation like that? Like, you're right. I don't know this person in their background. And, you know, what if I get committed or I fall in love or, or feel like this relationship is too serious to just walk away from when it's too late. Mm-hmm. Like for, I think for many people in recovery, whether they're an addict or the spouse of an addict, that was the experience is I really liked this part of it, but then I feel like I was sold this bill of goods um, because later on I discovered things were really different. Mm-hmm. And I think a reframe there is really important around the purpose of dating. Right. Um, I've, I've been working with a guy who um, is starting to get back into the dating scene and we were we were talking in a recent session and he was saying, I feel so bad. Like there's four or five women that I'm really interested in right now and I'm spending time with all of them. And he's like, this is my addictive stuff again. Mm -hmm. And knowing where this man's at in his recovery, I I was able to say to him, like, when have you ever dated like that before? Like really dated like that for fun. Um, And he's like, I've had sex with four or five people at the same time before. Um, but I've never just had friendships with four or five women at the same time where it's mm-hmm. focused on fun and getting to know you. Right. And um, he's like, I guess I've got to narrow that down. And I said, please don't. Right. Please don't narrow that down. Well, my question when I've had clients in that scenario are, do any of the women think that you're committed exclusively to them right now? Right. And they'll say, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's aligning. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're not. Um, and maybe in acting out, mm-hmm. one did think, mm-hmm. right, that and didn't know that there were other people that you were sleeping with or hanging out with, right? So, right, it's that let's keep that open, right? Mm-hmm. How and, and, and as things naturally progress, right, not you forcing this, I got to choose one, mm-hmm. but just let things play out, right? Well, and let it have its own timetable and let's keep talking about mm-hmm. it definitely, Mm-hmm. But why are we trying to jump into that, you know, is the only purpose of dating to get married and mm-hmm. to get monogamous? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's where this guy was saying is it, it feels so cheap to spend time with these five different women and not commit to one. And I said, well, who's the dating for then? Like, are you looking for a partner or are you looking for yourself? Uh-huh. And we were able to talk about different aspects of his personality and different aspects of his true self that he sees with these four or five different women uh-huh. and that he gets to experience. And I think that's a really important reframe, not just with dating, but even friendships. Right. Like friendships are not just about the relationship that we develop or just about this other person. There's a, a large piece that's about us. Well, I do think we learn so much about ourselves when we're dating. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is a huge, like important. I mean, that's a, that's a very important part of dating. We don't want to like rush ahead or skip that. Um, and it really informs maybe a second part of dating, which may be to get into a committed relationship. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, sometimes I'll ask clients, well, what phase of dating are we in? Mm-hmm. Right? Are you looking to be committed Wait, right now? Phases. I know, right? <laughs> um, because if you're dating right now to have fun and to you know, you know, learn about yourself and how you can be in healthy relationships and to learn about what healthy relationships look like and feel like and what they don't look like mm-hmm. and feel like, um, then then you need to date several people. Which really, if if your dating is going to turn into something longer term, you need to be doing that work on yourself. Like, right. I, I think we have this paradigm out there that dating is for me to hyper-evaluate this other person and see if I want to take it further. Right. If you stopped evaluating yourself during that process, like you're not a good partner. Right. Um, and and I think that's I think that's another thing that really scares people about dating is that feeling of I'm under the microscope. This other person already knows who they are and what they want. I'm the one that's trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's really important to recognize that I, I would dare say everybody out there in the dating pool is trying to figure out who they are. Right. Um, and the ones who. But sometimes the focus isn't there, right? I remember taking a class in high school. And I think it was probably in the home ec department. I didn't do so well in those classes, but um, <laughs> I don't remember the name of it. It wasn't like the cooking part. I got kicked out of cooking. <laughs> small fire. An, it was just a small fire. <laughs> it was not intentional. She swore it was intentional. The teacher did. Um, and so that began my um, my stay in the auto shop classes where they put me. <laughs> Anyway, different story. And I actually am a pretty good cook now. But anyway, um, I was taking this class and uh, it was taught by somebody who had never been married, which I like to point out to her, which probably wasn't helpful. I was one of those bratty high schoolers. It wasn't invalid, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't, I didn't think so. But I did find out later that she was, she lived by my grandparents and my grandparents adored her. And then they introduced me to her and I was like, oh, this is a bad thing. Um Anyway, and so she had us making a list, right, of the qualities and traits that we want in our future spouse, and which I, I can see some of the benefit of that, right? But there was so much emphasis on what I'm looking for in another person, right? And I did have some wisdom at that point because of my parents' own crappy marriage. Um, and so I raised my hand and I just said, shouldn't we be focused about, like, being a good person and what the traits are for me to, you know, to be a good person? Um, Or am I just going to like fake it and find somebody who meets all of these criteria while I meet like two of them? And, you know, she didn't appreciate that at all. But there was kind of, I mean, for me growing up, there was that emphasis on, it was almost this assumption, right? That I am a great person and so my task now is to find another great person. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to, you know, um, approach it maybe a little bit that, like, I'm a good person, but I'm a little rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. And I got some work to do so that I can be a good relational partner. I think there's really some <clears throat> room to move to the middle on both ends. Like, we have to do some ego deflating mm-hmm. in ourselves. And I think also... We have to really work to value our strengths. Yeah. And to see because I think strengths. that's for a lot of people, that's one of the initial, like once we get through that honeymoon phase of the relationship, one of the um, surprising blows that come is that this person that we're now in a relationship with sees not just our great glorious side. Yeah. You know, that, that reminds me of a... And they want to talk about that with us. Well, why wouldn't they? <laughs> 
you know that that reminds me of a um, a story from my my own uh, dating my wife. We just celebrated our tenth anniversary, and um, we dated for we dated for over a year before we got married. And um, as we look back now, she was horribly sick most of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we look back at things that were going on in um, her and her family's life, like it was a really stressful time, and I think her body was just that. Plus, like. I w- we we joke I was entering the scene and it's not been a picnic to be in a relationship <laughs> with me, um, but I remember one day um, this was probably five months into us dating and um, we were pretty committed to each other we we liked each other a lot and she was really really sick and um, she started throwing up and it was like throwing up like I had never heard before mm-hmm. like there was crying in between you could tell that there was a lot of pain. She actually ruptured blood vessels in oh, her wow. eye. Um, and I remember sitting there and, like, I hear her mom rushing around and her older brother rushing around. And I was thinking, like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't think she wants me to see her in this state. Uh-huh. And I don't really know these people very well. So what am I doing? So I just got up and left. Like, mm. I didn't say anything. Wow. And um, I texted her about an hour later and said, are you okay? And... Um, she texts back something like, where did you go? Like, where are you? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked a lot about that since, and we come back to that, because that's still, like, one of those issues that um, I have to work on, is that, like, when things are really tough and things are hard and things are emotionally charged, what kind of presence do I have? Mm-hmm. And what can I actually bring to the table? And I think on the surface of that, you know, you look at this as, like, oh, this is an opportunity to... to you know, really be there for my partner who's sick. And we can, we can unbalance that perspective when really that situation brought out something important for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the kind of, that's the kind of um, awareness and analysis of the self that we can be committed to in dating. We can get a lot of really good information mm-hmm. about ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that that's something that we could discuss. And it wasn't in a way that it was just like, you left and now I'm not talking to you anymore. Like, she really opened up a lot of curiosity around that for me mm-hmm. that's continued to serve me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so as we're, as we're looking for what do we want in a partner, we also have to be able to look at what do I want in myself? Like I think right. dating tells us a lot about what are the circumstances under which I'm the best me. Right. And we get an opportunity to try on a lot of those different circumstances. And am I comfortable um, with pe- people seeing me not at my best? Mm-hmm. Right. And how does that go? Like, are they able to talk about that? Am I willing to receive feedback and internalize that and work on those wounds or work on those issues, right? And, or do I need my partner to always think mm-hmm. that I'm the best thing ever, yeah. right? <clears throat> I <clears throat> Sometimes I will talk about how, you know, I mean, a lot of times when we get into relationships, um, we get, of course, we get in in a kind of immature place, right? Because... Mm-hmm. That's the beginning. It's It hasn't had time to mature because it's at the beginning. Even if you are a mature person. Right. Even if you're a mature person, when you start a new relationship, the relationship itself will be immature. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, right, what makes the relationship work at those beginning immature places is that this other person makes me feel good about me. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is pretty immature, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I really like you. You make me feel like a great person. And that's not bad. It's not wrong. Like, it's it's pretty normal, right? I think it's a really exciting part of a relationship, too, when you can yes, tell that from another person. Absolutely. Consistently. Um, 
However, that's not going to stay there forever, right? Because if we're remembering, that's already an immature place to start. So if the relationship is going to mature, it has to go beyond, you make me feel good about me, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes that maturing goes to, you know me, right? And that's not always just the good. Like, you know the good, and you're committed to the good, and you like that, and you still like that, and you will still make me feel good. But you also know, you know, my scared side and you also know my anxious side and you also like, you know, all these different sides to Mm me. Right. And that's a whole different depth to the relationship if we'll hold ourselves and allow ourselves to go there. Right. And to let that person. Yes, they see that. And yes, they can talk about that. And I can hear that. Yeah. And we're we're really talking about, I think, of. a later stage or a middle stage of dating mm-hmm. is where it gets into more of that like real mirror reflection of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's going to be what our next episode is about. Kind of what's the mirror reflection of right, me. Right. Right. Um, but I, I can't drive home the point enough. Um, just this, uh, this Wednesday morning, I was on a, a weekly accountability call that I'm on and um, I was talking to my group about um how I wanted to write this book, but I was feeling conflicted because we're doing this dating and recovery thing. And I feel like it's important to put a lot of energy on um, talking about dating and recovery and, and getting really good at that. Um, and somebody in the group asked, well, what's this, what's this other book you want to write? And I couldn't even give a coherent answer. Uh-huh. Like, even as I was talking, I was like, this sounds like the most boring thing ever. <laughs> and I didn't feel that way a month ago. And they're like, well, tell us about the dating work that you're doing. Mm. And I was talking about it and we laughed and it was interesting. And one of the things that um, someone in the group had pointed out, they said, um, you need to write the dating book first because um, like there's a playful side and there's a fun and engaging side to that Mm -hmm. that I think you can bring to the table. They're like dating is a serious thing and especially dating and addiction recovery, but it's fun too. And 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 it's a big part of what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense too. Yeah, and, and so I just I just want to highlight, like, in this phase one dating, like, why date in recovery? Because it can be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's an opportunity to experience yourself in new ways that you never have before. Right. I wouldn't say that when people walk into the rooms of recovery for the first time, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is fun. I'm experiencing myself in new ways that right. I haven't before. Well, and I think for a lot of people who, who are beginning to date in recovery, right, if they had addictions... Um, this is where the addiction helped get them past, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. Like, yes, it's awkward. Um, when I used to work with teens a lot of times, right? And they were starting those, like, first date ever. And they'd be like, it's so awkward. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> and they're like, well, how do I make it not awkward? Uh, oh, no, that's true. Like that, any first date throughout uh-huh. your life will be awkward, uh-huh. right? And you'll be nervous and you'll be scared. And that's just normal. And they were like, I don't like that, mm-hmm. right? And and so <clears throat> back in maybe the early days or in the maintenance days of the addiction, right, there was, I can go into this with a drink or, or I get, I drink during it to make me feel better about myself or not so nervous or not so awkward. And in recovery, maybe you're not doing that. Right. So how do I go into dating and recovery when I don't have those crutches Mm -hmm. that I used to have Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just me? Yeah. And so those are also things that we'll be talking about. Yeah. So we we did want to kind of a shout out at the end of this episode. Um, We want to collect stories on dating 
and we want to be yes, able to we share do. that. The good, the bad, the funny, the awkward, because that's, the romantic, whatever. Be, because that's what dating <laughs> is is all about. It is all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the next episode, Jackie and I are going to be telling some of our stories from dating that are good, bad, awkward, and romantic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish you could see Jackie's <laughs> yes, face right we now. Are. <laughs> um, but we, we want to hear from you. So you can send that to us um, either through our website, thanksforsharingpodcast.com, or you can email that directly to thanksforsharingpodcast at gmail.com. At the end of this episode, we want to remind you that your story matters. Remember there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story till it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. And remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.